Exactly. That you did this show. Exactly. Okay. Come guys, let's watch Andin in this random podcast in the Himalayas. <laughs> All right. Let's see how your papa is doing. What are you doing, Elena? Starting a stopwatch. Yeah, oh, cool. Let's okay. And with that, uh, welcome back to the pod. It's been a couple of weeks since we've last uploaded, but anyways, uh, thank you for subscribing, thank you for tuning in, and thank you for liking. We're almost at 2K, so please hit that subscribe button. And you guys have not been commenting as usual, so fuck you. Uh, you can't blame people for not being consistent with the comments when we, we are inconsistent with our content. <laughs> like okay. We are consistently inconsistent. Isn't that consistent? Isn't that permanence? Mm. Isn't that Buddhism? Ah. With that, how was it, you guys? <laughs> Firstly, we have our guest today. Uh, this is Professor Andon Drolet. He, <laughs> sorry, not Andon Drolet. Andon Drolet. Huh? What, what, how is I'm that doing delivery? a horrible thing job. Sorry, this is Professor Andon. He teaches anthropology at RTC. Yes. He's been teaching for the past year. And what? yes, how was it, you? Said you was good. Um, again, it's my first uh, situ. I came in in January, so sort of missed the holiday season, mm. the festival season. But you visited Bhutan before. Yes. Was it during Sechu season? Was it not? It was not. It was not. It was in July. Okay. So you fun monsoon season. Okay. So okay, yeah, so this was my Sechu. first one. Yeah. So, uh, how much did you know about Sechu before going today, or was it just like, oh, let me let me just find out what it, what what it is? Um, I knew a little bit. Um, you know, kind of. You, as an anthropologist, you pick up a lot of yeah. little bits of information mm-hmm. from a lot of different things. So I knew, I knew at least to expect, you know, the, the mass dances, some of the stories that surround some of it. Um, and a lot of people. And yes. Yeah, I think there were like more than 10K people today, no? It was crowded. Yeah, it was kind of funny because um, as as we were leaving the Tsechu, mm. the amount of people coming in was... What time did you guys go? Uh, eight. Yeah. Wow, eight. early. Well, Apparently, that's not early enough. Yeah. Oh, we we, we, we didn't get seats. What time did they start the dancing? Uh, they start the dancing at around nine thirty. Today they started around that time. Yeah. So today, when you got there, nothing began. Nothing. So but, just seats. Yeah, but you know, people go at like four, five in really? the morning to get seats. Really? Oh, to get yeah, seats. So you guys didn't seat. get seats. Oh well, not originally. We kind of waited. People come oh, in, we come out. So ha! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people seem to just circulate around the mm. the courtyard. We got the worst seats in the house. Yeah, we can it? check a lot of thing. No hot chicks. No, they all decked up. No, with all pearls <laughs> and uh, nice kiras. No, that's one good thing about you know, Sichuan. Huh? Why are you? <laughs> now I know why you're going to Sichuan. I didn't. I've not gone to Sichuan in a while, man. But if I'd gone, that would be another. You know what it called? Another element of Sichuan. Everyone like to dress up. No. Gotta say though, a lot of lovely kiras. Some really unique kira patterns. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of weird saying, saying that I'm the one who's saying that, but yeah. they're really nice. Like, Hello, come here. And let me see. Let me. Oh, I like your kira. Very nice. So what? So how much? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> So why haven't you gone to Sechu? Yeah. Uh, I don't like large crowds. Mm. Okay. Neither do I actually. And I, I, when I was when I went the last time, which was a couple of years ago, I, it was enough for me yeah. because I think the main thing is you go there. The main thing is you watch the dance, of course, but then uh, also immerse yourself in all the people who are around. So I've already done that. So it's not like I wanted to do that again. I see. You know? But then again. Yeah, it's great experience if you haven't gone ever. But I say if you've done it once, you've done it. You've done it like more than a thousand times. I think it's the same thing, no? Yeah. When I went there when I was nine years old, that yeah, was the yeah. last time I went. Yeah, I think so your childhood memories are more, yeah. you know, like what yeah. you call precious. 
than the, when you go as an adult. But then, if you're like going with the empty, going there with the, what you call like uh, with no information, like just, oh, I'm just going to teach you to wear makira and mako and watch people dance. Get a red makeup. No, then then it's not nice. No, if you want, you need to immerse yourself with the, what is the significance of this dance? Why is it being done? You know, why are we all like in here? Then it feels I think you appreciate it more. But since I do not feel that connection, mm. I just feel I'm just going for the very generic reasons. Mm. So you want it to have meaning. No, I would like to visit, like let's say, and watch the whole dance. Like that would be my main reason to go there. But that will not be my main reason. No, I'll just go there. Oh, set your time. Let's just go there, take some pictures, and watch the dance for a bit, and then be bored and go eat mom and go home. You know, it's, it's fine if you go for the first time. But then, like I've already, like I said, I've already been there like one to two, two more times. I think good enough for me. But that's just my take. Discuss. <laughs> Discuss. Well, I just give my take. That's just my take. Yeah. Well, it was it was interesting because we were talking about Seju yesterday, yeah. and like everyone in the group, I think because we brought up the idea about going on uh, for the third day, and every I think everyone realized that they hadn't gone in a long time. Exactly. That was in the group. And it was just, it was interesting how like like it was Himal's first time. Yeah. Wow. Seju. And yeah. this is your first time. This is my first time in twenty years. Yeah. And this is uh, our other friend Punso's first time in quite a few years herself. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I have to be... Like, one reason why I used to not want to go to Tsitsu's as when I was in these past few years was that I knew I'd complain throughout the event. Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah. Crowded, wet, crowded. probably wet, you know. Mm-hmm. And then... It was dry today. It's yeah, okay. Maybe sunny. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of crowds, you cannot walk, maneuver, you wear like company. You know, it's kind of like... Did you accompany by the I did not and got accosted by one uh, uh, guard for not having a company. But, but did they know that you were a foreigner? Well, no. You still have to, you still have to like, they still, he still give you shit like you are a foreigner. No, no, no. Go, he, he, was, he was very polite. He actually was. Yeah, he he was, was yeah. It was more like a warning because he was like, sir, your guest, though he is wearing, if he had come in pants, it would have been fine. But since he's wearing the go, he has to have the entire sure. attire. And then we were like, oh, crap but then when we went ahead nobody stopped us so yeah. I think it was just maybe yeah, they had like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, heads up yeah that yeah. I might get like, bored you like, might have to be yeah. you might be told to go back exactly. so either full ass or no half ass huh? I, I guess yeah something like that so why did you instruct him to wear a company huh? we did huh? Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't have a company so Kinder might have had an extra one I didn't like have one either I borrowed no what about other two guys? We just, yeah, all of us borrowed. Yeah. All of us were borrowing. Stuff. Going there, are we? <laughs> no, but then, like, the funny thing was when we were getting our checkup, when we were getting checked at the line, the guards <laughs> checked me, and as soon as Andon walks up, they're like, no, man, you can go through. <laughs> they didn't want to yeah, touch the yeah. foreigner. is fine. He will not bring guns and knives. You, <laughs> Japanese looking man, you, I doubt. Yeah, but that was like one of the. Yeah, but I think this happened a few times with you already, you know? Yeah. Would you like to White privilege? Foreigner uh, privilege? Uh, something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like what, like when you go, what, like to a club and they don't check you? Or, uh, no, no, I mean, it's like how... So, like, if we were at a restaurant, okay. for instance, like, the waiter, uh, waitress, the come over and would, like, immediately... Zero in on him. Right, like... Like they're, they're, without naming the location or, or people, this happened once where a few of us were out at, at lunch and the waiter came over and literally had their back to everyone else in the group and was just like, what would you like to have? Yeah, yeah, like, what would you like to have? I'm like, well, we will be having food, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's good. At least you're not getting white 
underprivileged white discrimination i don't know you're not getting discriminated you're getting the good discrimination this kind of discriminating i guess is it is reverse it reverse discrimination reverse discrimination uh, it's certainly a privilege that i don't deserve have uh, you have you have you experienced anything which is like the opposite of that while being in bhutan like hostility or yeah. something or like yeah like that because you're a foreigner you're getting not good things but getting shit instead uh, i mean not really um or if they do they it's said in in Zolka or uh, Shashop or something <laughs> and they just kind of go on their way muttering under their breath just but, like yeah but nothing nothing over no oh, yeah it's a really good experience no but then like with him i think i wouldn't consider you very chilipy hmm. what like, he's not chilip chilip define chilip chilip i mean you know he's not touristy chilip okay. he's very he's cool chilip <laughs> i personally think he's cool chilip yeah. But then again, you went to sit with the whitest Bhutanese person I know. Dude, why I'm not the whitest Bhutanese person I you know? I just don't share a lot of things with you about this country. I have my secrets. Yes, Your Japanese secrets. How you do? Yeah. Like for the next podcast. Yeah, for the next. Podcast. For the next, the next podcast, we will discover kin- the yellow side of Kinle. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so how long were you there till? From eight a.m. till around noon, I think we visited. Oh. So, did you guys eat after or between? After. Okay, so you guys. We made there. the mistake of going there without having eaten breakfast yeah. or had coffee Fasting. or tea yeah. or anything. Yeah. Fasting is great. So you went there, stayed there to noon, but sitting down, watching the dance, or just like looking around, taking pictures and stuff. A little bit of both, I guess. Yeah. So There's this one kid who was so fascinated with Handel, he's just like looking at Handel. Like we saw him. But there's yeah. so many other white people there. No, something about his hair, I suppose. I don't know. Actually, he ended up. But actually, if you wear a mask, no, you could actually blend in as a Bhutanese. Oh no, he was wearing a mask. They still knew he was a foreigner. Yeah. Like I would say, I would doubt, but I would not like outright know. For me, at least. But yes, you were saying about the little kid. Oh yeah, no, he. Uh, I think he was actually more interested in him all, just because he had a camera. Uh, <laughs> he kept going to Himal, and he said, "Are you from USA to Himal?" <laughs> Not you, sir, but uh, you. I'll yeah. talk to you. <laughs> you, sir, with the man with the, with the massive beard. <laughs> Are you from USA? No, I'm from Canada. He's not sure if I'm going to come with that. Yeah. So, so I've broken out the Canadian accent a little bit heavier, mm-hmm. but... How, like, how, how was the like, tourist? No, not tourist today? Yeah, I mean, relatively. There's a guy in his pajamas. Yeah, he, he just told me that. That was just like... The guy in his pajamas, pajamas. Like he had pajama pants on. Yeah. And was it old dude? Yeah, well, like middle-aged. Middle-aged dude, yeah. yeah. They're rich. They wear whatever they want. They're paying like 250 per day. No, it's more, I think, more. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not 250 per day. Like, it has to be more than that. Yeah. Do you feel like a privilege, like working and immersing yourself in Bhutan while other foreigners have to come in, like for especially the tourists, and pay this much amount of money? Exactly. Do that. you feel that? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a little different, right? Like, I'm I'm not here as a tourist. Like, yeah. I'm here of to course, work. Of course, but, but as a foreigner, I'm but yeah, but yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Um, it's something that you know other people have also made use of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a workaround, right? To mm. you come to work and you also have the opportunity to spend time in a place. Um, so yeah, no, I, I would say that that's that is a kind of privilege in its own right. Um, but sociologically, like we've we've spoken at on on this at length 
when we're having chai at Mama's. But like, what's something that you... Subtle plug. Yeah. <laughs> Mama's. Mama's is a great place to get chai, right? Yeah. But yeah, like something that you've noticed that... Well, I've never asked you, though, what do you like about Bhutan? What I like about Bhutan? Yeah. Um, I want to go full on like CNN interview you on that. <laughs> Hello, white man. What do you like about my country? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so... <coughs> I mean... How to put this in a correct way? <laughs> yeah. Well, for one reason, um, there are places that you just you go in your life where you just naturally feel comfortable. Mm. You feel better for being there. Mm. Um, you enjoy being there. And I would mm. say, for me personally, Timbu is one of those places. Yes. I just, I genuinely enjoy living in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say like why like. Bhutan per se it's just like I like this this city independent of everything else um, this will get very quickly into a discussion about my, my home country but um, I like the the pace of, of life here mm. um, you know people are people right mm-hmm. you're gonna have everything from very nice people to complete assholes mm-hmm. um, all of this kind of stuff nice. um, but in general mm-hmm. it seems like people are more keen to be friendly, uh, at least be have a conversation, mm. um, welcoming. I guess you can, mm. you might say, and maybe again that's part of the whole Jillip factor too. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe yes. Um, but I do like that fact. Mm. Um, there are things again that are just genuinely enjoyable about Bhutan. Mm. Your air is cleaner. Your rivers don't catch on fire. Um, these are <laughs> these are nice things. Rivers um, catch on fire. So. Uh, they, they have in the past. Uh, um, so. Yeah, it's a safer country um, by far. Mm. Um, these are nice things, right? Mm. Uh, these are, yeah, and when you come from a place where there's more risk, more precarity, more kind of uncertainty, mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to come to a place where if you get injured, you can go get medical help. Mm. You know, if you're sick, you can go get help. Um, you don't yeah. have to worry about paying a massive bill for. Yeah, you're bankrupting yourself yeah. basically because you're mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, the odds of getting injured by an arrow is, is, is much higher in, in Timbu than you would in the United States. But given that over, say, uh, firearms, yeah. Yeah, it, so th- again, this gets very obviously politically contentious yeah, yeah, fast. Yeah. But um, but these are factors, right? These are things that help make being in a place just nice. Um, so yeah, all right. That answers this question. So. But don't you live in like a relatively safe town? You told me you grew up in a very small town. Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up uh, in what we would classify as flyover country, okay. um, rural United States. Um, currently, uh, my family and I live in Colorado. Okay. Um, also, you know, uh, it's a nice town, but, you know, I think with in the last two years we've had a mass shooting in a supermarket so it's like uh, and that was like right next to a place that I regularly go to and I could have been there and that's just kind of life right that's that's the this this weird normal um, in my own country it's hard to explain Mm. um, much less justify Mm. Um, but yeah so safe yes to to a degree but random acts of violence are fairly common unfortunately Mm. so yeah, that's something you like, don't even consider living in Bhutan. No? Yeah. yeah, I think Bhutan also Timpo. Yeah, because we were uh, like, and then and I we were talking about this as 
and it's not just Andon, but most people that I've spoken to about why, because we've already spoken about how a lot of Bhutanese have this idea of the West, you know, mm-hmm. the fetishized idea of the West land of dreams and that yeah, stuff. But why is it that people go to Australia more than they go to the US? Because it's easier to go to Australia than Not just to... that, but safety is a big factor. Yeah. A lot of Bhutanese do, people... Do people consider that? I think it's more of a monetary value. No, mm. you get more, you get a better wage while working in Australia yeah, no, yeah, as compared to US. Exactly, no. but what I'm trying to say is, do we fetishize the US so much, yeah. we completely ignore it when it comes to like... You know, getting our own life, like wanting to thrive, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. But then again, like... Don't mean to share on your country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most people go to New York, and New York is supposed to be like the most like capitalistic city, is it? Yeah. I, I mean, it's an interesting town. Uh, yeah, because like there's like vast, extreme poverty and extreme wealth. No, in, the, in Side that by city. side. Yeah. So, like, it's like you can work hard, you can do something. There's that possibility, you know. But you can also turn to shit. So I think that also is appeals to somebody who wants to really work hard, you know. Mm. Whereas Perth is safe, yeah, like that, that aspect, in terms of monetary value, money, money wise, Mena. Mm. I don't. I've never lived in New York, but I do have a lot of friends who have lived in New York. Yeah, and and that's what I feel. Yeah, no? that's why. At least I, that's what I. Mm. At least I think it is. You know, when when you consider like the West, wise. I mean, New York City is kind of a, it, it is a country all on its own in some ways. Like, there's basically everything yeah. that you could have in a country you can have yeah. in this one city. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of, um, I think the highest population of uh, Bhutanese immigrants into the U.S. is in New York City and mostly in sort of uh, Queens, Queens and, and sort of Brooklyn area. Um but there are smaller communities sort of scattered around the U.S., but the biggest one is definitely in New, in New York City. Well, I think you told me that you went to a Bhutanese restaurant in New York, was it? Yes. Queens. Yeah? Queens. Yes. And then uh, you got taken there, how? You just wanted to find, hey, I want to eat Bhutanese food. Yeah. Researching, I, or you just found some Bhutanese friend and said, let's go eat Bhutanese food. Um, so I knew about it. Um, it's really hard uh, to, to find um, Bhutanese cuisine, just mm-hmm. in general, in the U.S., partially because... It's hard to get the chilies, mm-hmm. uh, the specific chilies that you cook with for Amadatsi. Mm-hmm. But I had been here once before and okay. really liked, and I do really like um, Bhutanese cuisine. And so when I heard that there was this place in New York, yes, uh, the, the Weekender um, in Queens. It's a really nice restaurant. Um, and you do have to kind of know that it's a Bhutanese restaurant because oh. uh, there's not really any indication that oh. it is until you actually go inside and you'll see like a... Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's actually even that is pretty subtle. I oh. mean, so there'll be like, there's like one Garuda mask in the corner. There's a, a picture of the royal family, but it's pretty. Oh. Su- it's actually pretty subtle. Okay. Uh, whereas there's actually uh, non-Bhutanese restaurants that will often have parotaxon like plastered across the... Uh, what? Oh, yeah. Why? Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> There is a non-Bhutanese restaurant that has Bhutanese paraphernalia. Yeah, yeah. Why? So, because uh, they 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 say they have Bhutanese cuisine as well, but there's only one, I think, so restaurant. They were like what Nepalese or Chinese or what? what do they? I don't know who the, the proprietors were, but I, I, it was interesting. Oh, uh, but that's, but yeah, that's, that's very interesting also. I, was, yeah. I never knew someone would adopt Bhutanese culture and say we have Bhutanese food also. By the way, yeah, they do. You want some enchiladas? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was mostly like yeah, Himalayan kind of okay, okay. Quiz, uh, standard Himalayan cuisine. Let's, let's dive back to the Bhutanese restaurant. So yeah, it's, but it's good. It's a really nice place. It's got a snooker um, sort of parlor okay. uh, off to the side of it. Really, really good place. Okay. Um, however, uh, the uh, waitstaff again uh, keying in on my very clearly uh, 
uh, uh, mel- melanin deficient yes. features. Melanin deficiency. <laughs> yes, uh, phenotypically placed me as white. Um, <laughs> when I asked for you, know, I was like, Emadatsi. And they're like, oh no. I'm like, we don't serve that to you. It's like, no, you don't have it. And they're like, no, 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 we have it. It's like, well, I'd like to have it. Then it's like, no, no, you can't have it. <laughs> you can't handle it. And, and don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I, you know, I've, I've been to Bhutan. I know what I know what I'm ordering. I know it's hot. Bring the fire. Bring the flame. Like, let's do this. Uh, so I'm like, okay, they bring it out. Take a bite, and it's very spicy, as as Emadatsi should be. Mm. I cough once. Mm. Swoops in, takes the plate away from me, and refuses. You've had enough. <laughs> it's like, You've had enough. You clearly can't have this. We will get you chow mein, and they bring out chow mein, which isn't even a Bhutanese. <laughs> we adopted. We adopted chow mein yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it isn't really a Bhutanese. <laughs> no, but but yeah. So that was my experience with this. It's a really nice restaurant, and again, um, there's a few places um, in the Queens area that have a lot of um, Bhutanese food. Um, yeah, you can get you can get again. The, the chilies there, you can oh. get um, cheese mm. that would be used for emadots and mm. stuff like that. But it's, you know, yeah. again, it's, it's part of a very large immigrant sort yeah, of yeah. community. Yeah, Queens yeah, yeah. is Pushed very up. much... A, immigrant city. Yeah, it's, it's the, the borough of flags in some ways. You walk down the streets and it's just like every single possible um, sort of community very proudly, you know, claiming that they are... Here, from the air, like yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I came it's, from here, and now I'm here, and I'm making this life. Yeah. Um, it's it's a fantastic it's place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why I would love to. Like, I would never want to live in US, but I would love to visit. No, because we were, like, <laughs> I think that's what all of us say. No, no. <laughs> Even me, I was like, I'd love to visit US as a ho- on a holiday, but probably not want to live there too yeah. long. No, yeah. of course, like there are people still want to live there. When I was young, I really wanted to live there because I was so immersed in the Western culture. Because we were all consuming that only from TV and internet. And then I'm not really into the Indian shit, so that's why I was never really, you know, like had a what to call like a like oh I want to visit India kind of feeling. And you say I am the whitest Bhutanese. But I've never been to. <laughs> Neither have I. But okay. go on. Yeah, yeah. So but then but now that I've gone older, I've lived abroad for a bit. I just like oh I like since you've seen so much of it on TV, I just want to visit. Yeah, yeah. Know? But not like as much as I wanted to do before. But then now that you grow up, you learn like New York City is not just like a American place, but like so many cultures. No. Yeah. Like, I really want to be like immersed. Yeah, you must buy that kind of stuff. It's it's a great place to do that. Yeah. So, anyways, how was your spice tolerance? I thought it was good. <laughs> that I came and, here. <laughs> until spice he, until he had before. the emadatsu. His spice tolerance is quite high. Yeah, it's yeah. I've, e- I've eaten his emadatsu. It's yeah. and he's had my food as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know the euphemism of emadatsu? Uh, I I'm afraid I stepped into it. Explain it to him. Emadatsi, when we were kids, he was born, no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was born, he was like, Emadatsi was born. Uh-huh. But now I think Emadatsi, that's his cheese. Now I think it's a little dirty now in that way. <laughs> no, but last time I, so I took him to one of the more local restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he and I, we don't, we usually eat at local restaurants. But I took him to one which I had not been to in a very long time. It is so local. It's literally got like a cloth covering the door. Okay. It's a tiny place mm-hmm. with like benches and tables. Okay. And yeah, like, yeah. you know, the owner is sitting yeah, the there. The walls. Yeah, the owner is sitting there with like and having a chat with her her, her friends. Mm. And then I bring him in and they, they all immediately turn. And then I was like, okay, let's just grab a seat. Yeah. And then we sit down and then they, we're like, what do you have? And then they're like, ah, Shaka Memadatsicha. Uh, mm. and then I was like what do you want and he said he'll have shakamemadatsi and then I said I'll have gip 
Mm. And then as we sat down, the woman in Shasho to me, mm. can he eat chilies? <laughs> and then I was like, he can eat chilies. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yes, he can eat chilies. He'll be fine. And then after that, they kept giving him so much dao. Mm-hmm. Like as he's eating, they're just refilling his dough. Yeah, it's like I take a sip and then I set it down and immediately they come back and refill it, which was nice. Was it, was it spicy? Yeah, it was tolerable. Yeah, no, I mean, it's within you know, your range. Yeah, 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 I could take it. How about rice intake? That's one thing people don't really realize. No, we eat too much rice. So how's your rice like intake? Do you eat like normal serving of Bhutanese person or you just take like, let me give me less rice? I, I've never said give me less, but I don't you think just I... just eat whatever. I, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I rarely get seconds. How about like, when they bring the refills? Yeah, like, I'm I'm usually, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Man inhales his burgers though. Like, it's like how when we eat rice, we have no issues and like, just like, oh, no. This guy's that's with the burgers. You're like, oh, we're gone. Like, how? And then I'm like still struggling at it. And bread, maybe. No. Yeah. How is your diet like here? What do you eat on a daily basis? Um, so, usually kind of a raw breakfast and then sort of a snacky lunch. So, some fruit, veggies, mm. um, occasionally going to... Here's the plug again, mamas. Um, and then usually go out at night, usually for like a dinner. So, mm. so. so what do you eat usually? What's your, like what kind of food do you eat? Here? Yeah. Do you eat a Buddhist food every day or is it once in a while? Uh, not every day. Mm. Um, but I try to as much as I can. Mm. <laughs> go too many days and it starts to feel a little weird. <laughs> you know, you're in Timbu and you haven't eaten Buddhist food for a couple of days. So. What's your favorite Buddhist food? Don't say it Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, so I would actually probably say uh, Shomodatsi. Yeah, um, sure. Oh, sure. is really good. Though I was definitely spoiled because the first time I had it, it was like in a like a, a home in Bumpong. And it was like, mm. so it was like fresh wild mushrooms kind of thing. Mm. And so now when I ordered them, I was a little bit like, because ah, it came from a can. You're like, eh, You keep oh, tasting that high, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's not, not quite there. But I would probably say, yeah, uh, Shomodatsi. Have you had uh, cheese with butter and egg? Mm-hmm. No, that's my favorite. Gondadatsi. Gondadatsi. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's fresh. Everything's fresh. You know, like farm fresh. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, ah, in the You clearly have not had food, have you? <laughs> yeah, you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I had a burger and came, but now that we've talked about it, now yeah. I'm willing to go for another round. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, all, I'm always curious how emadatsi would taste with different cheese. Yeah, well, I think emadatsi would taste really good with... Uh, I've, I've, had it with bum, I've had it with tongue cheese. Really? Yeah. I had it with bumdang cheese too. I made it with bumdang cheese. The mm. cheese got stuck at the bottom of the pan. No, you have to like... I think it's more to like grate over it. Ah, it's so. Let, let it like grate and then heat on the top. You know, as we just have in But basically, you just... Yeah, I think it'll work. Like even like... Like gondodatsi, you can put... Emma, it becomes gondo emadatsi. <laughs> That's the thing about emadatsi. It's versatility. Yeah. <laughs> just, Simplicity. Just throw more stuff in and you can just change it. It's like, aha, spinach. Saldatsi. Aha, uh-huh, brinjal, dolom datsi. <laughs> That's the uh, And dry meat, shakam datsi. <laughs> I wonder uh, if anyone's ever tried doing all. But you have your thing, that chicken emadatsi thing, no? Oh, uh, that's my wife's. That's your wife's thing, no? chicken emadatsi. But quite spicy, my God. Oh, I sweat. Yes, yes, that's, he... <laughs> I, I have very bad spice tolerance, no? Like for even being Buddhist. Like every time I go to a restaurant, I say, no chili. Don't give me any chili. Because if and I tell them, they'll be like, okay, and then they'll just murder everything, no? Even with like sugar also, I say, no sugar, no emma. But that's just the, maybe the white person in me. Kinle. Yes, that you've been accusing everyone else of being. I'm accusing you only, Kinle. Everyone else. <laughs> I'm talking about everyone else. 
let's get let's dive deep more into Andon now. So Andon, how did you come to Bhutan initially? You came as a tourist? Uh, I was invited. Invited. Then um, you came here as a now a professor. Right. So let's hear the origins of that. Um, so the how I got here the first time? Yeah, well, let's start from there. Okay. Uh, how did you get how did you find out Bhutan initially? How about that? Sure. Um, so that's uh, when I came to graduate school mm. uh, for anthropology. Mm. I was speaking with my advisor about potential research projects, mm. and um, I have always been interested in this idea about how do we come to collectively as a community understand what makes a good life, okay. what counts as a life worth having. And my advisor, who does research in the Himalayas, mm. um, said, you know, well, I haven't done work on this, but there's this country uh, that measures happiness. Mm. So, like a lot of people, came through the the GNH kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's sort of how I got started. And then I um, I met a friend who was also getting his master's at um, the University of Colorado Boulder, where mm-hmm. I was studying uh, in uh, religious studies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we met in a Tibetan language uh, course, and you learned Tibetan. I was trying to learn a little bit because it's mm. you can't really. It, there's no one that teaches Zonka outside of Bhutan. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, all right, well, what's the closest you know, language in that family? And it's like, well, okay, Tibetan. So, okay. so that was kind of um, my attempt to at least start in on okay. that road. But, um, but he is from Bumtong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Bumtong? Yeah, he's from Bumtong. Uh, so he... So you met a Bhutanese person? Yeah. Yeah, oh. he, he was getting his master's in at Colorado. In the same university. Yeah, yeah. and so he went back to um, Bumtong and then actually ultimately was teaching at uh, Royal University of Bhutan Taksi Taksi, okay um, College of Language and Culture Studies and he invited me then Um, so that and it was kind of a preliminary kind of could I come do research could I find sponsorship because there isn't a, a formal way of just applying for like a research visa okay uh, in Bhutan okay and so he was kind of sponsoring me and, and sort of argued on my behalf for some other folks to sponsor me as well. Okay. Um, but that was my first visit. So okay. um, I came up through uh, Punsaling, uh-huh. came to Timpu. Timpu went on to Trongsa, then to Taxi. Mm. Taxi. Then he took me to uh, Buntong to mm. visit his family. And then we came back and I forgot to Paro. Oh, okay. So that was... Um, so it was more of a kind of like a holiday visit? Kind of. Um, it's like a field trip. Yeah, I, in the business we would call it a preliminary field site assessment. But Ooh, yes, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was a little bit of that kind of un, unclear if it's a, are you a tourist, are you not, like what are you doing here kind okay. of thing. But um, yeah, that was my first okay. visit. So you went back, then what happened? <sighs> then I tried to come back. <laughs> um, that was kind of the way of it. Um, at the time... Uh, sank our hooks in you. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I... You know, like a lot of people that come to Bhutan, right? You kind of get enchanted by this place. It's beautiful. Again, all of the things that we said before. Um, it opens all your chakras. Yeah, yeah all the chakras. Um, um, but it, but it was definitely like this seemed like. You wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more, and it seemed like there was a project to be had here. Um, not necessarily the one that I thought it was going to be, but it was. There were interesting questions that came up from that first visit mm-hmm. and so I've been trying to come back ever since mm. along the way a lot of things happened um, a lot of missed connections um, you know 
someone would be like, oh yeah, we can, you can come now. And then my university would be like, well, you have to do this other thing. So you have to stay. And then there'd be times where like, there'd be a great time to go. And then, you know, you couldn't get a sponsorship. So that kind of came around. And then, um, it started to look possible in 2019 mm-hmm. so much so that my uh, my wife and I decided it's like all right we can do this and we can also start our life we've been sort of waiting on having a kid and so we had uh, our first uh, child mm-hmm. in 2019 and we're like oh this will be great you know he's an infant so we'll just be, you know, we'll just wrap him you know up you know put him on the back carry him around it'll be okay. great we'll have this this whole thing and then 2020 happens okay. and covid so Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so then a little, what you call a little checkpoint for your, what you call, visit back here. So then, anyways, now 2022 happened and yeah. you came here. How did you come here? You got, uh, you found some ads and RTCs looking for some lecturers or you found some guys saying, do you want to come to Bhutan to be a lecturer? No, um, not exactly. Um, so I, so the program leader uh, at Royal Temple College, uh, Dr. Bomo Roder, um, she and I had been in contact for a while. She and my advisor uh, are friends. Um, so we've been trying to kind of make this work for a while. Okay. I'd actually applied to teach in 2021, mm-hmm. didn't work. Um, and I was kind of thinking like, well, maybe that, you know, time to move on sort of thing. And then I got an email saying, hey, the position's open again. Would you be interested in applying? I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. So I did. And this time it worked out. Okay. So that and that's kind of the whole story. Honestly, was um, you know you apply, get rejected. You get rejected. I mean that's yeah that's that's kind of the, I mean yeah that's that's a lot of what job applica- applications are right. Okay. You you put your best foot forward and it doesn't line up or it doesn't it's not the right time or the right fit or any number of things, mm. and then sometimes it does and that was how it happened. Mm, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Now, as an anthropologist, you've come to Bhutan. So what have you learned from the Bhutanese people? And how do we live? Something. Share some knowledge, sir. Right? Anthropology is a study of people, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Right. Right. of humans and this uh, societies and yeah. cultures and histories. So what have you? What are some takeaways you've learned from the Bhutanese people in, the, in living in the Bhutanese experience? Um, what can I say? Which you are okay. <laughs> What? You can say anything. You chew a lot of them. <laughs> Less though than you'd think, um, yeah, and it definitely seems to be generationally different. Yeah. Like you don't see the, the younger, younger ones, younger generation yeah. uh, eating doma in the way that the older generations do. Um, yeah, for sure. So that might be something that's changing over time. Um, what to say about? I think you should still eat doma rather than rice niganda, man. I would prefer no rice niganda. I do not. It's part of the blue packet people eat. Have you seen people like? Oh, yeah, 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 are you getting sponsorship from Royal Bhutan? No, Royal Bhutan Water. Where's our sponsorship? <laughs> okay, anyways, and, and then go on. What can we say? I think, you know, Bhutan's a, like a country, again, like any other country, right, that has challenges and difficulties mm-hmm. and also a, a history that has kind of led us to this particular moment, mm-hmm. which is a very evasive answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Please acknowledge it. <laughs> but I would say that... Um, Bhutan is trying to figure out the people of Bhutan are trying to figure out their future Mm. and it's happening at a very fast rate Mm. you know you think about the timeline 
of sort of major changes in this country. Mm -hmm. It's a very short yes, yes, time period. Sure, I mean, sure. the monarchy begins roughly a century ago. Yes. It's more Dem than a century ago. Yeah, it was... 1907. Yeah, yeah so it's... Um, but, but prior to that, you have... What, oh, kind civil, of a, civil conflict. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of... Petty... Regional petty, feudalism. Petty lords. Yeah, and yeah um, theocratic rule and all of that. Um, so you have a monarchy for roughly 100 years, and then you introduce... Um, a parliamentary democracy. Mm. That's a very fast turnaround, right? Yes. For for ideas about governance yes. and sort of civil engagement in that, mm. um, like you as a citizen have this power now mm -hmm. um, to so, choose who you want as your representatives in the government. Yes. Exactly, and so that comes in, and then you have the internet. Mm -hmm. And prior to uh, prior to that, you know, it was like. You know, the, a lot of the people that I talk to, you know, we talk wax nostalgically about, um, you know, going down to the movie rental place to get yeah, the VHS yeah. and DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, the, 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 that was the media source. The internet wave was, like, really changed, like, especially, like, when we grew up, no? Because, yeah, we, like, because at one point, when I was, at least I had good internet when I was growing up, luckily, because yeah. my dad worked in the government, we got internet at home, when everyone else didn't even have, like, proper TV, you know, yeah. I had dish TV. So when I went to school, I was like, I'm a bunch of villagers. I felt like I was... It was a bunch of villages, but it was not like oh I was like God mode. It was just like I had access to information which none of the people that I knew had. So that was like a big like a difference I felt. Was it weird trying to explain that to people? Yeah, it was very weird. Like I was watching Dish TV and there was a channel. They were talking about something like, like maybe the people in the West would understand. And also like, there's this thing like that. They're like what? What is this? I don't, I don't understand. Like so completely like out of but the box. Not just that, but you also realize that if you look at what. Up until the internet comes out, Thimpu is the center, right? Mm. Like Thimpu being the capital gets everything first. Yeah, yeah. So when I was living in Wangdi back in the 1990s, mm. like in the late 90s, early 2000s, that is what it was like. Like because I used to read a lot and thing, it's you realized how different people from Thimpu were compared to. Yeah, yeah. People from and even today, if you go to like the extreme eastern parts, yeah. it's very different again. Yeah, yeah. But now it's you, you sort of see that even though there is that technological leap, mm. there is still a holdover from many yeah, years yeah. ago that is still actively surviving mm. in most parts of the country. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyways, let's go back to ending. So you're saying something about internet well, our, our, like how our country has developed so fast in terms of like all this yeah oh actually I mean jumping off of that though I mean but the idea of holdovers is, is still there it's not like um, you're not forgetting what we came from exactly like, mm. and that creates interesting tension points right that, mm. that creates you know differing you know because like the, the way in which you live is built upon rules and necessity and consensus and disagreement um but once you suddenly open that up to the entire world, now suddenly you have a whole new set of rules to follow. Like again, it's like if you think of it like a board game, right? If if the board is only this big and then suddenly it's bigger than this table, mm. suddenly, you know, some of those rules are still gonna apply, still gonna work, but then other ones you have to adapt something new oh, with. Okay. And so nice so I guess that's the way that I seem to see it is that this is kind of the moment in which we find ourselves in right now, which is this kind of trying to figure out, okay, which of the the, the previous rules are going to be applicable, applicable, are going to be effective, and which ones can be adopted, adapted, or changed. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's kind of been my sense 
at least from what I've seen. Um, I mean, I'm sure we talked. We've, um, we've we've talked extensively about this, but like it's, it's the same in the reverse because you see that when people from abroad come in because they have become so used to this, mm. and when they come to our country and they notice that we have certain things that they think are archaic, mm. it's you can see that they also have this hard time. But it's like it, it's 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 a very I wouldn't say it's just something that's common to Bhutan, but it's something that works everywhere. It's like when you come from a certain place which has used to which is used to a certain set of rules for the longest time and you suddenly you come to a place which doesn't have those rules, then it sort of throws you off because you find it hard to adjust, right? Yeah. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of the older Bhutanese here is that a lot of them are having a I wouldn't say they're not they're not actively not wanting to adjust. It's just they're having a harder time for the more for more for the more for the older Bhutanese to just adjust to what's happening now. Yeah. Like if you look at if you look at how our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation but they don't get that. I right think that's just more conservative behavior, no? You see that in America also the conservative. Yeah, that, exactly. The I mean that, yeah, and that's always gonna be there, right? Like there's always this push and pull between sort of moving forward, holding back uh, sort of going back to a tradition. Um, what like, do we save, what do we let go? Exactly, right? But I think, you know, you, you were mentioning how like certain like rules can kind of like throw you off if you're in a different space. And, and I always think of it like, um, if you think about it with uh, music, mm-hmm. right? And, and we've talked about this before, but like you think about like a, something like, like a 4-4 four, four time exactly. melody. Um, suddenly. And then you switch into like some kind of multimeter 6-8 uh, kind of thing. And then suddenly it's at this, this very different rhythm that you're not used to and it throws you off off that kind of balance and that's culture right that, mm. that is cultural difference um, when you introduce something that's really like a globalized cultural sharing device like the internet is though suddenly now you're getting multimeter from different Every. perspectives all the time you, know, you were mentioning about India so prior to the in, the internet well, you know there was a pressure to go to, say, Europe and the United States, but especially India. Like there was a very strong kind of influence there. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, where would be the biggest influence? Australia. Australia. You want to go to Australia or you want to go to Bangkok? Like, up until I was going to college, which was up to, like, 2010, I think in 2010 was where I would say that internet really started to get good in Bhutan. <laughs> like, up until our high school, we still we had internet, but it wasn't, like, 3G or 4G, you know? I realized that after 2010, once we went to college and we finished India, I mean, we finished studying in India, you realize that not many people were going to go to India because up until that point, a lot of people were going to India, but now you suddenly realize maybe in the internet is one of the uh, factors into it. But after that, most people started going to Bangkok yeah. or they were starting to go to Europe or Australia. Or I mean, even just look at sort of the style of... Um you know, what people, especially the young people, the youths, are, are you know, wearing. Najin! Or, or hairstyles. Like, I mean, it's... Uh, maybe it's Korean also. It's, it's, yeah. But that, again, comes from the internet because... You yeah, so I'm saying internet, yeah, but now it's not no more predominantly yeah. Indian. Right. But our film is still very highly influenced by Indian films. Not yeah. industry. It's because the majority of the people in this country grew up with that I mean yeah, it's yeah. only the current yeah. generation I think yeah, yeah. We, 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 we're in the middle of that change yeah. I think another maybe 10-20 years we'll see that change fully as, 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 yeah which I guess is then an interesting question is like what is Bhutanese film as a genre going to be like if it's not going there, to, there if it's a, not going to be Indian if it's there, not going to be Bollywood if it's not going to be Korean yeah. or Hollywood or Western what what is 
that going to look like? Drukwood. Drukwood. Uh, <laughs> maybe Gaslam is Singhede. That's not influenced at all by Indian. That's uh, you're, talking about the, you're talking about the original Gaslam. Yeah, the original. That's, that's, that's very, very Buddhist. That's very, very Buddhist. That's a very Buddhist film. It has no song and dance. It has like very cultural... You know, like about going to the monastery. I mean, it is retelling a story that we all know. About like old traditional values and how like cultural, how Buddhist. I think that is a Buddhist film. Oh, shit. But other than that, now with all the songs, sing song, dance, and also even like the like Korean culture immersed into the Buddhist series, then maybe it's not really a Buddhist, Buddhist. No. No, but then that's how you evolve also. Like you draw on what you know, you draw on what your influences are. And I think... A culture isn't necessarily something that stays stagnant. Yeah. It, you do have certain parts of it that you have to protect and you have to save. But I think there are certain there is something to be said for it wanting to evolve and wanting to change with the times that are there. Mm-hmm. Like now you look at Bhutanese music, for example. Mm-hmm. Just a few years ago, we had these heavy synthesized. You know the movies like 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 the Namijik's era, yeah, yeah. those eras, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now listen to how different it's become because of how much. Bebop, no, Bebop. Yeah, so how much how how it's changing? It yeah, still it's Bhutanese. so good. It's so good. Much better, my exactly. God. We're living in right now the golden age of Bhutanese music. I don't care. But then again, you don't know that because that is. But then that's because you grew up with a different. I don't thing. care. My opinion is better. The old <laughs> music sucked. I'm not even giving a shit. No, but I. I but if you look, if you talk to our grandparents and our father's generations, to them, that ah, music back then they didn't even know how to spell ABC, man. Or they'll know better. The ignorant minds don't know shit. Well, you didn't have to spell ABC. They didn't have to worry about Roman alphabet. Okay, but they couldn't comprehend certain things. Education was not there, so you cannot take their opinion lightly. It's like comparing a nine-year-old's opinion equivalent to today's. No, but then I, what I'm trying, what I think, what I'm, what I'm go, trying to go with is the fact that culture changes, it adapts, yeah. and it gets, it doesn't yeah, stay the same. Yeah, and it is precisely when you, yeah, yeah, okay, try to keep it too stagnant and straight. That yeah, maybe, maybe like thirty years from now, what we think is good now, maybe in, in later thirty years we think it has some shit, you know. But then again, when my mom was growing up, she was eating basically zao and butter and sugar, and that was the best thing she ate in her life. And she still likes it, doesn't she? Probably. The nostalgia effect. The nostalgia effect. effect. But that's what I mean, right? Like, you know, you're talking about, like, one generation to the next. Mm. And it's, again, the the rate at which these changes are happening. And I think that's maybe where some of the challenge comes in is how how does one generation communicate that their reality is maybe not the same reality that the one above them or the one below them generationally is experiencing mm. you know you think about like it's culture shock happening within a very short span of time right and, and even the difference between say what you know we could sort of we're all about roughly the same age um coming in and then like the generation one below us sort of age-wise they're coming into this from an entirely different perspective too and so like and they're gonna be looking at us like those you know those old farts um I think I think we'll see it. At least me and Kinley will see it fully when our friends' kids become like our age and we become like our parents' age. Exactly. Then we'll see it. Yeah. Because right now when I like relate with like let's say like someone who's ten years older than me, mm-hmm. I can relate with them. I can relate with someone who's ten years younger than me. Right. But I cannot really really relate with someone who's like my parents' age. Yeah. Because there's a little bit of like a twenty thirty year gap. But then I see that with my nephews actually. My nephews mm-hmm. are like seven eight years old and. They know way more than I ever did when I was seven or eight years old. Well, and it's kind of scary because... Then you know some smart kids because I know some dumb 
What the fuck? <laughs> Stupid kids. <laughs> no, that's like it's objective. No, but then see what I mean is like just within my own nephews, right? Mm. Like I have a hard time understanding what's happening. Mm. So I can imagine what my parents must be going through with my, with them with their grandkids. Mm. Just that it's it's such a shock. But I think it's because my my nephews now. the way they talk is not at all how we were how we were taught to talk when we were growing up. And it completely throws off my mom and dad's generation. That's the internet. No, you 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 need to monitor what your child is watching, or you also watch the same shit they're doing, and then you be like, oh yeah, now I get what they're doing. Because at least like like I told you, I can relate to someone who's ten years younger than me, and I shouldn't actually should be able to, you know. But I'm watching the same internet shit they're watching, and even if I don't like it, I think, oh, I know what that's about, you know. So maybe like parents should like adapt to what the kids are watching. Because I know my old co-worker son. He only watches Nickelodeon, okay, and he only has an iPad which is limited to only like YouTube for a certain amount of hours, mm-hmm. and he talks like all these outrageous things. He doesn't speak Zonka, and he's he's afraid to speak Zonka. Mm-hmm. His only thing he's immersed by is uh, this this you know the internet and the TV and his family. Maybe like they tell him like come let's eat in Zonka and all. He can understand it, but he's refusing to speak. No, that's it. that's why I feel like what's the word now? Disconnect. Yeah, the disconnect. No, from the parent and the child. I can kind of like figure out how what's wrong. Like, I don't think like everyone else around his family can figure out like how he's come to this point. But then like that's the issue. No, you need to like either like understand what the kid is doing so you can relate with him, or you have to like completely like control what he's doing. Like no, it's not a bad thing to internet, but like there's a lot of shit you can watch on YouTube which will just eat your brain. You know. So. <laughs> no, but I think like like we were, remember when we were um, so Dave Grohl for example. Yeah. Dave Grohl said like talent shows which are a very modern thing yeah. right now America's got talent yeah. so he was against it because he was saying stuff like real talent comes when you like sit in a garage with your bandmates but that again it shows a lack of cultural aware or or, or timely awareness yeah. because his zeitgeist his era is completely different compared to what the current era is yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I do realize that even I'm somebody sometimes I catch myself saying that then again it's like no like, this is something that I did not have when I was growing up so that's why I cannot relate to that, but does not mean that it's wrong or necessarily the bad. I mean, there are some things which are quite bad. Well, there's, there's some things which are quite bad. YouTube, that's the, that's the beauty of YouTube. That's like, you can dive into anything, any topic, no. But then the bad thing about it is, it's an algorithm base. So if you're a kid, you watch cartoons, you watch some video games, Good and luck. they'll keep feeding you all that shit, no. And you just, your brain is growing, it's absorbing all that shit which you shouldn't be absorbing, no. Like, why is that? Like Baby Shark. Like in, like in in China, I heard, I'm not sure if it's true, but their TikTok is different to the TikTok of the West and for everybody else. Like when you go on Explore, you'll see all us kids doing the stupid dances, doing the stupid challenges and the pranks. Whereas in China, you'll get all this like engineer, maths, all this educational Step. content, no. So that wouldn't you, like even you personally, not even forget the kid, no, want to be absorbed with this kind of information rather than all the stupid dances and shit. Well, what did you watch on the internet? Huh? I when you're a kid. He will not I tell watch, you. I'm not kidding. I just watch a lot of stand-up comedy, and the stand-up comedians are very smart to talk about all kind of various things. And I used to watch, uh, what was it, sports and a uh, little bit of documentaries. But then I never watched stupid dances. But I cannot be like, oh, wow, I didn't watch stupid dances. That's why I'm better. But I'm just saying, like, if I could go back and change a few things, like I would watch less of this and more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, but right now it's more of that and less, less, less of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where I'm coming from. Maybe it's my little bit of, you know, granddaddy mood I'm getting into. You are exactly showing what a lot of our parents huh? think, think of their grandkids. 
No, yeah, but wouldn't you? No, no, no. It's not. I'm not saying like, that I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, like yourself. No, imagine you're like nine year old right now. Okay, you're on YouTube and you're absorbing a lot of content. Okay, would you rather watch more of something which would be beneficial to your mind rather than all this nonsense? I'm nine years old. Yeah. I'm I'm watching anything that's entertaining, bright, shiny, yeah, and especially if there's if, an explosion, then yeah. bonus points. You know. Yeah, there are good cartoons as well. Yeah. Like it's like our, our cartoons when we were growing up was much better than right now. That's not that's not a subject. That's subject. That's objective. Oh, that's definitely oh, subjective. Yeah, that's, uh, oh gosh, that's objective. That's completely objective. Oh no, there's there's so much. Uh, I got into this argument with somebody the other day because we were talking about classic uh, cartoons, uh, rock uh, music. Actually, oh. it was like uh, we were debating about sort of contemporary music versus like the classics, right? Okay. And my whole argument was, it's like. One, you have the nostalgia factor, and right, and nostalgia is defined by collective forgetting more than it is collective remembrance. Okay. And so you're forgetting a lot of the really bad stuff that was there. You know, pick whatever time period you want, and it has died out, right? That that didn't get picked up and played on heavy rotation. And so now, when we look back and like classic rock and roll, like you have these amazing musicians, and they were there before. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of stuff that really wasn't that good, yes. but we just don't hold on to that, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like any era, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's like, yeah, it, the the dredges, the 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 less than than great stuff that's there, and you know, we consume it anyway. There's plenty of terrible cartoons that I watched growing up, and yeah, you think about it now, you're like, that made no sense at all. But it's in hindsight, right? It's it's looking backwards and we kind of think like, ah, oh, those are the days, right? Back when cartoons were clever, right? Is there any good cartoons right now which you think is good? I think there are a lot of good cartoons right now. Okay. Like I think Steven Universe is one of the best cartoons. I've is, it, is it for kids specifically? It's for kids, but it doesn't. It it's it is for kids and it's for adults and for teenagers because one thing now I've realized with a lot of modern cartoons is they don't treat their children just like children. Mm-hmm. It's also like they're trying to impart certain values but they're not doing it this ham-fisted like learn to be good right. it's more like they're talking to the child like a child because children are not stupid necessarily mm-hmm. they're very smart mm-hmm. it's just that when we start babying them then it can cause a lot more issues later on okay. but a lot of current modern cartoons right now like for example there's an episode on Steven Universe that talks about panic attacks and anxiety Okay, that's which I thought was like I didn't have that when I was growing up oh, okay, you named one let's name three more Adventure Time, okay. really good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rick and Morty, another one. Okay, not for, kids. not for kids. Not for kids at all. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking adult again. Um, what's there for Emma? So there's. I haven't watched a lot of kiddies ones, but there was My one. Little Pony. My Little Pony actually. Grown ass men are comfortable if it can make a grown ass man admit that he likes to what, be sensitive. What I think that panda show. That panda show. That panda show is pretty cute. The three bear bears. Yeah. Oh, that's fun too. Yeah. We bear bears. Yeah. Okay, maybe just my nostalgia talking. Like, imagine if you were like. But I've seen a lot of kids, okay? At least that's that's my personal subjective opinion. I've seen a lot of kids and they've just given their parents, they've given the full control of their phone and they go on YouTube. No, they just watch shit. Now, in that situation, I I met some kid and said, Oh, did you know, like, the capital of Peru is this? And I'm like, Oh, wow, you're watching some pretty good stuff. (laughs) But of course, you kids will not watch that voluntarily. Well, I mean, how useful is is knowing the capital of uh, Peru? Okay. I mean, how many of uh, you know eight-year-olds are going to be flying to Peru? But let's see. On the let's see. One day they wake up and they, they find out. Oh, which countries are in South America? Oh, I know that because I know Peru. I don't know. That's just I would like my kid personally to have 
better knowledge of the world rather than mm. better knowledge but, of how which mm. which which law dance you unlock if you kill the 30 kill streak or some shit like that i don't know no, but then again like i feel like 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 yeah it's kind of shitty that sometimes parents let children have complete reign mm. on the internet but at the same time you can't also blame parents because most of them don't have somebody to help them raise the kid like a lot of the times like when i look at my own cousins you know mm-hmm. my cousin has to she's working at home she has a kid and she uh-huh. has to sort out the housework there's only one way to keep the kid quiet and like sitting there and she can't also where 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 she can do everything while also watching the kid so i can understand that they also would keep the kid this thing like okay just it keeps you quiet it keeps you still while i do my other work it's fine but i can it's not necessarily saying that that's a good thing but it's mm. you sort of understand why yeah, you can understand of them but i'm also a bit nationalistic no i want nationalistic yeah isn't it to like i want kids you know growing up now to speak zonka when they are oh okay i thought you said because it's, it's depleting it's not even a joke like kids they, they don't speak zonka like at least communally is that the word right like with, with friends colloquially no no with friends yeah. it's english now english has now dominated now at least with, between like the class pps to six it's become me that's the truth and even no, me that, it's coming from me who have, i've struggled with zonka my whole life i took i took to you know two drinks from class from uh, the 5th grade up into the 11th grade because my zongo was terrible and my zongo teachers were traumatizing me because it's inside my my what you call command of the language so like at least i would feel like if i if you grew up in bhutan you go to school you should at least be able to communicate in zongo which i feel like in about 10 years that is going to go down significantly i feel that's just my worry my worry Well, why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there's there is this decline in speaking Zonka? Because first of all, Zonka is not a very easy language to learn, mm-hmm. and uh, the all the media consumption is all basically in English or Korean or Hindi. So I feel like I've seen it, and I think when we as these kids grow up, continue to grow up, I think. Zonka is not going to be as good and I think it's as sad as a country I would like everyone to at least even if we don't communicate Zonka frequently at least you should know how to speak it properly like at least to go to the grocery store and ask people where's the eggs I say that in Zonka <laughs> I say eggs get the eggs <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay you know, I think we, we all are fine I think yeah. somewhat because at least like, if I forced you to down in the street and told you to speak Zonka I think you'd be fine but my brother is growing up right now he's a little bit better but he used to be traumatized to speak Zonka and I've seen that with my boss's kid which I told you yeah but then exactly they, that's the word they're traumatized to speak Zonka like how do you mean traumatized to speak Zonka like there's no like no confidence no? like you're worried about like how, how it, like, I sound like and how people react yeah but then again that comes that's a, that's a learned behavior that's right? a learned, learned behavior it's not something that you're innately born with it's like how we always say that the one reason why I have the hardest time with Zonka myself mm. is because I was made so much fun of for the and fact maybe you do that exactly. but I still like to I tried man I yeah, no, and I'm saying that we tried yeah. and we got through it and now for a lot of kids that also has to be there that support has to be there that it's okay to make a mistake in this mm. language I mean he's learning Zonka and he's also struggling but at no point is it like you suck you know it's like it's white card again white card <laughs> no, there is that yeah no but then But I think it's also, you know, too, it's like what is socially valuable for, you know, we're talking about kids, mm-hmm. you know, socially valuable for kids, you, you know, you're talking about like the trauma of being made fun of. Mm-hmm. 
The same thing is probably happening for these kids on the playground if they don't know the most contemporary TikTok dance TikTok, exactly. or the most contemporary uh, YouTube thing. And if they bumble their English, they get made fun of. They get made fun of for that. So I think in the same way that, you know, and that in, in, in turn, you know, causes one of two things, right? Either they pull back from that as like a learned response to be traumatized or shy about it, or they, like what you were saying, I worked harder to learn it. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're working harder to learn the English rather, mm-hmm. you know, so if the issue is, are people speaking Zonka, are young people speaking Zonka, the question is, why is that not viewed as valuable and why is that socially not something that has currency for the community in question mm. and again part of it anthropology speaks uh, but again remember too you know this country has what 20 languages or yeah. uh, dialects dialects languages Maybe and dialects three languages and in the rest all dialects uh, uh, but even within that though I mean what um, so we have Zonka yeah. right? Shasho 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 King. dialect King um, Zonka mm. Nepali and English I think is the most language language rest all dialects I mean that's an intru- that's a debate too, right? What's the difference between a language and a dialect? Yeah, you should do better. <laughs> um, but we can uh, um, that'll be for the next class. Uh, <laughs> there will be a test. There will be a, t- a test later. Um, but right, so there's there's a lot of there are a lot of ways of communicating in this country yes. as well, and so uh, a small country that does. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's and that's that's an amazing thing to again be proud of. Again, you're thinking about sort of national pride. Yeah. That's something to be very proud of. But one of the things is that, like, for a lot of people, it's like, well, I know some of, uh-huh. you know, my mother tongue. Yes. I know some of my regional language. I know some of Zonka. Uh-huh. And I know some of English and Hindi and Nepali. And, you know, on the side, I'm learning a little Japanese or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And that seems to be pretty common, actually, when you it's talk to people. It's explain me. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, you actually, it, like, if, you know, we're talking about fluency. Yes. If we define fluency by your ability to get around, mm-hmm. then this is an immensely fluent country in a multitude of ways, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Now, are they speaking only one language all the time? No. Mm-hmm. But the ability to actually to adapt and speak multiple languages is actually far more common around the world and is probably a much more uh, beneficial intellectually thing than to be purely monolingual and I say that as yeah, someone yeah. who really is monolingual even though I'm trying um, yeah it's so and one of the reasons that at least I've heard from people that I talked to about this whole question about Zonka is that yeah they were like well it wasn't super necessary because in my house we would speak one language yeah, yeah. and then you go to school you speak another language then you're taught in English and to be successful, you had to be, good at, you had to be good at English, so that pushed you there. And then it's only in the in-between times mm-hmm. that you're speaking Zonka. And this is sort of from like our generation age set. Mm-hmm. So I got to imagine that that's similarly. I think you're a politician, be good at Zonka. I think more than anything, it's not from what I found is the people who want the Zonka language to survive, right? It's not that I don't feel like they're they're angry that Zonka is not surviving. They're angry that their idea of the Zonka language is not surviving. You know what I mean? Like they get angry when someone like like we speak Zonka mm-hmm. like naturally and we mix in a little bit of English and yeah, yeah. but we are still the majority of the language is Zonka. Yeah. 
So they don't look at the fact that oh this guy used a lot of Zonga words We're and maybe one like in they want like No, it's more like they want what they think is that idea of Zonga. Yeah. I'm not saying that for all the people, but for example, I'm recently when I was at uh, one of the cafes, yeah. so me, Himal and Soli, we were speaking in Zonga Hindi. So we were speaking in Zonga and English, we were mixing it. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy sitting there. We don't want that the guy came up. Yeah, and he went on a 20 minute rant with us on why we were destroying the language but then what i was saying what i was saying was he was failing to realize that we were still speaking zonka it was mm. just that we were adding certain words to make it more efficient and quicker mm. and then he went on to give this 20 minute rant about why other languages are horrible and <laughs> zonka is a great language and i was like that's not good because languages serve a purpose and that is to communicate yeah. and if you are going to deprive someone else the ability to understand what you're saying purely because you want to speak one language yeah. and you want to stick to that language then you are not really helping or doing anyone any favors mm-hmm. but like again i it's i just think that anyone who's like a hardcore i know you're not a hardcore i understand where your fears come from mm-hmm. but i feel like anyone who's like this hardcore like zonga is dying out i don't think they mean zonga in general they just mean their idea mm-hmm. of what the language is like they want the very flowery you know lots of honorific zonka that's mm. why i feel like that's what they're worried is mm. and a lot of the time most of us don't speak honorific all the time mm. we we speak casual street zonka yeah yeah but that, that's my thing that like similar to that like i would when i think about somebody who's brutinese you know, they can at least speak like they can say where's the eggs <laughs> yeah. and i get a text you know but if they cannot speak a little zonka no then i feel like are you really brutinese no, i mean If, if you go out east that's not yeah, necessarily that's, zonka is yeah, not necessarily yeah. going to be the thing that south you need. as well yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so i mean and again this this gets into i think sort of larger questions about like feelings of identity right and that's actually yeah, yeah. something that I've, i've i've come across a lot too is this feeling like a, a personal concern for some people of like i don't speak zonka well enough mm. am i a Bhutanese Bhutanese right and, and so when you tie those things very closely together then I would say if you really want to feel Bhutanese put more effort in learning Zonka man I feel like Zonka language is what will connect us all no? if we have so much differences in terms of culture and mm. the way we live our life that language kind of actually brings us together because you cannot actually you know, But it is we, not even if we don't like where yeah. to go and get every day we don't but it is not necessarily that. just the language that makes us Bhutanese I think identity comprises our national identity comprises of so much more than just our language and sometimes if the language is that's not necessarily the strongest point but they are still for they are still vehemently you know not vehemently like yeah sure your zonga is weak but guess what you love your country you still engage in the cultural aspects of it does that make you and just because you don't speak zonga or your zonga is weak doesn't necessarily mean you are not putnese i'm not saying that No, I know. I know what you mean. Just saying, like I would, in my head, if 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 I was let's say not really good at Zonka, which I was, mm. you know, mm. I would say like in order for me to feel Bhutanese, I would like to put more effort into learning the national language. Yeah, but then that's it. Yeah, like but you would want people to put effort on their own rather than being pressured. Yeah, no, I'm not into, pressuring anybody. No, I know you're not I'm pressuring. I'm just disappointed when someone uh, can't speak Zonka. Like you didn't put any effort to learn, and it's not even that like mm. hard. You literally immerse. We are living in Bhutan. It's not like you're living abroad. That's that's not the case. Yeah, no, I get you. Didn't. But like if you couldn't put effort, no, you, everyone now at this point has majority have gone to school. The people, parents who didn't go to school, exception. Okay, now mm. tell me now they grew up with that 
language or dialect they were speaking. But kids who went to school and now they cannot speak Zonkha when they've graduated high school. Now, that's bullshit. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest in telling you that I would not, I do not understand that aspect mm. too clearly. All I know is that from my personal point of view, it's just that those people who do vehemently try to f- force people to speak Songkha, yeah. which you're not doing, is just that it's based more on their skewed idea of what Zonka should be compared to what Zonka should be to everyone. Mm-hmm. Zonka is a language, it's not, and to different people it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. For me, when I speak Zonka, it's a completely different thing to yeah. what my Zonka lip and my Zonka lebe with. Much like to Andon, who's learning Zonka, yeah. the way he speaks Zonka yeah. is comfortable to him compared to yeah. how it is. Like Very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's different for me, my personal experience. Yeah. Like, I struggled with Zonka growing up. Then I also lived in Japan, learned Japanese all over and I appreciated Zonka. Like, oh my God. You know, I'm learning this stu- stupid language so hard. Really? And I, like in Bhutan, like I, I, put, I can just put effort and learn bettering my Zonka, even though it wasn't that bad. It's still bad. And I'm just looking at other people when I meet across the day and then I sometimes I can hear like they don't, they're very unconfident or they're not good at Zonka. I'm like, you... I put so much effort in mind, but that's just like my experience. The experience mm-hmm. is different. But I think if I could do it, like anybody can put an effort and learn Zonka. But like you said, they don't necessarily need to and doesn't need to have to learn to be Bhutanese. Okay, that's fine. But then it's just my maybe my closeted mind thinking like, oh, I wish you, you would put effort. That's mm-hmm. just it. Yeah, I get you. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's change the topic. <laughs> How much time do we have? We've been speaking for about an hour now. You know, yeah. Do you want to end it or you want to end one last topic and wrap it up? It's up to hand it. What do you got? What do you got? What do you, what do you want to talk about? I don't got much. What's I your favorite phallus in Bhutan? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Um, there's that one that's got like that, that like pistachioed kind of like... Pistachioed? Yeah. Like no, but... <laughs> no, thank you. Because you just brought Remember what we were talking about? Why is it that a Bhutanese phallus is circumcised? Is <laughs> it circumcised? No, it's, a, it's erect. So the skin, foreskin goes down. The foreskin goes down. Have you not seen your own penis? <laughs> What? It does, does not do that for me, I'm sorry. What? Your foreskin still remains up? Yeah. Even when you pull it down, Kinle, pull it down, fully down. No, when it's erect, it doesn't just go down when it's erect. It goes down, Kinle. It does not. not it goes fully down. No, it does it not. It goes fully down. No, it does not. You see the paintings? It, that's how it looks, when it's fully down. I think you're not here, you've not pulled your dick all the way down. Oh actually. god, no, I don't think my dick just automatically foreskin Because you know what, when I was 13, no, I didn't pull it all the way down. I am so sorry. And I realized, I pulled it all the way down. And I was like, no, oh, but no, it goes down! No, wait. It goes down! No, you're saying me, you're telling me, you're saying me. <laughs> English, English. <laughs> you're telling me that when your penis is erect, yeah. it naturally, skin goes down. Or are you saying that you have to pull it down? No, it goes like, let's say, like this, okay? Then I do like, I just like give a little bit of nudge and it goes like this. I don't, why do I want to do that? Let, <laughs> huh? I am not discussing your Hello, and then How is your penis by the way? <laughs> huh? uh, yes, so he has, the, he doesn't share, he doesn't relate. Uh-huh. We have the extra world called turtleneck, okay? But your turtleneck just goes up. You can boom, bring that turtleneck no, down. I know I can bring that turtleneck down. Okay. I'm just saying that it doesn't naturally go down. As in, like, it does not, as soon as my thing becomes erect, it's so you're saying that for a more authentic Bhutanese phallus, it has to have a little bit of foreskin turtleneck here. Exactly. Okay. Because I don't think a penis naturally gets the foreskin down. Do, we have, do, do we have, like, cultures within our country where they circumcise? South, do the. Do, do I don't think so. Do I don't think so. Huh? Although I think now, um, I met a few Bhutanese people who have said that they've gotten circumcised. 
you know. it's, it's catching on it's yeah. catching on is it like a medical thing or is it like a culture no, they just want to do it I don't know. are you Jewish no is it like a normal thing in America like, to get yeah. the kids circumcised yeah is it I, a religious thing or is it a healthy thing uh, so I mean it depends on when like the the age of the person that you're talking about so at different times it's been more or less common right so circumcision for uh, members of the Jewish community obviously yes, yes. very religious um, increasingly it became common practice just in general um, say one generation prior to mine um, became more common. So my generation was more common, uh, though not exclusively. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of continues and there's push and pull in both directions on that. Um, of course there's push and pull Snip, snip too. Yeah, well, there's that. Um, so yeah, no, um, so it's not necessarily, um, it doesn't have to be a religious reason. Um, and it's not a health reason, though that was what the and there was that was a justification at one point yeah. but it's it's not um it's just a it's a cultural thing there were some people who were like it's it's also so that it makes I, it, it makes it easier to clean your yeah, yeah. I thought, but then I was like how lazy are you when you have, when you yeah. wash it why can't you just I thought it's to, the main it? reason was to uh, refrain from men from masturbating wasn't it because it's hard to know there's no like natural lubricant you have to use the lotion no. that's when I used to watch TV and watch all these teen sex movies when growing up and I'll be like why do they use lotion? I don't get it. And why are their dicks like, like you said, not like that? Because my dick don't look like that. Then I realized, oh, there's something called circumcision. That was like a little bit later on in my life, like 16 years old, you know. Then I realized, oh, that's what they do. And again, we come back to the issue of the internet. Yes. But then, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think that Bhutanese penis is a circumcision. It should be more what you call accurate. Accurate. It should be circumcised. It should be uncircumcised. And they're and they're very um, generous. Yes, I mean optimistic. I would no. say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but do you know the, do you, obviously I think Andrew, you have asked around why we had the paintings of the palaces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To get all the attention to that, so we don't think of any ill thoughts. No. Oh, is that the reason? Well, you didn't hear. You told to drive away evil spirits, right? You heard that one. I've heard that one too. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, have you heard the concept of karam? The word karam. It's very yeah. close to haram. It's not haram, it's haram. <laughs> but basically, you know, I think you know it already, but it's basically like, it's a something which will absorb all the bad juju. Mm. Uh, so when you have a big penis lying around in the house, you know, like imagine you don't like the guy who lives there. When you drive, the first thing you see is a penis. So your first thought goes to the penis and you forget about that. So it's to absorb all the bad juju. It's a distraction. <laughs> it's, it's a distraction, distraction for your malicious thoughts. Yeah, for the malicious thoughts. It's bad juju. It it's a all, distraction. It absorbs all the bad <laughs> energy. Uh-huh. That's why we have this common thing we do. Like imagine, like let's say you're you're trying for something like, for a successful thing, like endeavor in business. Okay. Okay. But you'll never mention it to anybody, but a business person, because we feel like if we talk about it, mm-hmm. then some people will talk about it and they'll talk about talk about talk about. They'll keep going and they'll, whether they talk good or bad, it's karam mm-hmm. and it's bad juju and you might effect in the outcome which is why you need to paint a giant dick on your wall <laughs> to and that's grab why all of that karam karam yeah karam huh. and come I did not know the word for <laughs> that hmm. you know what karam karam or karam oh, oh lost video now we're black right now people okay we're going to wrap it up now it's good time <laughs> so good how we trans- we segued from uh Identity to language to penises. Penises, yes. Mm. Yeah. 
That's how life should be. Identity, language, penises. Yes. Comment below. Would you like the phalluses to be circumcised or they not? They are circumcised. Or uncircumcised? <laughs> Let us know. There are, what, there are a few that have a lip on it, which is weird. There's a lip? So, like, I've seen one which is like, so if, <laughs> if this is the head, right? Okay. This is how the opening is. Like, it's, oh. got, a, it's got a, it's got a, what do you call that? The, when you have Gin? a, bottom, when you have a, when you have a bottom, when your bottom chin is, it pushes out more than the upper chin. Like so a, the upper jaw. Uh, an underbite? An underbite, there we go. Yeah, so it's got like an underbite. Which is like, how do you pee out of that? <laughs> like, like, <Yeah. laughs> just like, you've got pee back on you. No, but I, like, it's it's on the way to Tsirang. And one of those, um, re- it's on the way to Tsirang. Like one of those, Maybe one of those you want some artistic expression, you want yeah. to change it a bit. I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, you got like scarves and wings and, you know, all, dragons. All, all, all manner of yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the best I saw was this guy. Um, so not, not his. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very nice one. <laughs> so you remember when we were filming the phallus sketch, mm. I had gone up to meet one who has a collection of... Phalluses. Yeah. He showed me all of them. And one was carved out of rock... Like straight out of rock, and wow. I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of dedication." Chiseling wood. Yeah, and it had like mantras chiseled into it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, "Wow, that's like, that's like a lot of work." Now the other one was made out of one piece of timber, hmm. and it was a phallus that had a dragon coiled around. Yeah, that's what I saw. And that one was like so cool. There's one all the way to Mutsang. I always see. The, the dragon one with the phallus. Mm. The dragon is wrapped around it more. But why, why do we use, use vaginas? You can still absorb karamana. Uh, Are they not holy enough? I guess huh? again, it huh? again Patriarchy? Goes, <laughs> I mean, it, I suppose it goes to the whole idea of because women menstruate, it's unclean. That's yeah, that's why the, why the women are not allowed in the... Compass. The, the, the thing, the altars, no. Certain altars. Yeah. Altars in the, in the halams, no. Because that was the old belief, no, that they'll menstruate and leave blood stains in the ground, which is unholy. But now they still practice it, which they shouldn't actually know. Right? Uh, I think, I suppose with religion, you can't really justify too many things. <laughs> Here's a picture of Mohammed. <laughs> you have to invite Mary Douglas in for your next interview. Where is she? How can we get a hold of her? Will she come on this iPod? And then will she come afterwards? You God, no. Now she's definitely not. <laughs> Okay, I think we got the memory card back. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, yeah I suppose we should. <laughs> okay, thank you, Andon, for uh, coming in. Thank and, you very much for inviting me. And uh, giving us some time. Sorry, Andon's wife and child. Put in his society. This. I don't think his child would probably be old enough. It's only going to be in interwebs no, when he watches this. Go watch Baby Shark. Oh, God, no. Coco Melon, Coco Melon. Oh, God. Best thing. Best stop, thing. Stop. Yeah, keep stop. it going. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks for coming by. Uh, fun. Thank you. We're gonna we'll let you know when this episode drops. Oh, and we're gonna call this episode And Then with Andin. Ah. But we never dropped that joke in No, we're just gonna call it that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or should we call it Andin Dole? Okay, we'll find out, Norla. <laughs> yeah. And then with Andin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then there was Andin. Oh, and then there was and with Andon. No, and then and then there was Andon. Ah, with Andon. Uh, I'll leave this in your capable hands to to solve. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you you want to share anything with uh, with my small audience? Anything you want? Do you want to need to check out? Like, let's say, if something in the interwebs that you could look at and say, "Oh, that's interesting." Or some research papers you find very fascinating that people might be interested to read. Yeah. Um. 
I guess um, keep reading. Uh, keep pursuing the things that you find interesting. Um, you know, whether that's deep dives on the internet and YouTube or um, not being afraid to take deep dives into books and literature. Um, I don't have anything specifically to plug. I would just encourage people to... Yeah, mamas. You plug mamas. Well, we did that. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> drop by mamas. Uh, drop by mamas. Um, but yeah, no, I would just say, you know, keep pursuing your passions wherever okay. that leads you. Um, by the way, a lot of our people who listen to the podcast are RTC students. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, say hi. Right. Shout, shout out to the kids. Uh, I'll see you all tomorrow in class. Um, <laughs> yeah, bye. Spoken like a true professor. Okay, that was a good one.